3: Time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio.
4: I'm going to pull it. "Mm mmm, Because that's the way the Weekend Report always starts. Although this is Ryan Wiggins from the Annie Fry Show. You are listening to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. I would like to introduce you to someone that uh, if you've been in St. Louis for a while and if you're listening to the show... You're a fan of St. Louis media. You've probably heard the name and maybe even the voice, but I'll let him be his own voice. I won't say too much about you. Mike Elam is in the studio co-hosting today.
3: Thank you, thank you, Ryan Wiggins. Please remain seated. See, there's no reason for you to get up. There's right now. that very famous voice go. that you may have heard, and let me just real quick, okay, it say
4: that. I have known you for a number of years, although I don't know that we've worked together in a professional capacity like this before. Never like this before. Um, But I've known that voice so well, and part of the reason you don't even remember this, I bet, is because (laughs) when you and I... I'm getting into the, to the deep stuff here. Okay. When you and I worked <clears throat> at UPN 46, going which is back, no longer a TV station. <laughs> not even a format anymore. No, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't exist. I don't think in any capacity. <laughs> no. I think it's now ION TV, if I'm it, not mistaken.
3: It, yes, but I mean the UPN went completely U, no, away UPN as well. No, UPN has gone. I mean, that was yeah. while we were
4: there <laughs> exactly. UPN was gone because UPN merged with WB to form CW. Yes. So we all got caught in that. And then my network came along, which I think by the time it was my TV you were gone i was uh, but you recorded my voicemail oh, while we worked right. together that's right and your voice is so good and mine is so not <laughs> that i left it as my voicemail and it said you're listening to our you've reached ryan wiggins incredibly professional sounding voicemail system <laughs> with your famous voice and it was my voicemail for probably like 10 years and so when that's I hilarious. told my wife, hey, Mike Elam and I are going to be co-hosting the Weekend Report, uh, she said, oh, the name sounds familiar. I said, my voicemail guy. And <laughs> she's like, oh, that's, that's the guy. That's the well, famous that's the voice. Guy. So you're
3: famous in a lot of corners, and that's one of them. You know, so funny story. I've, I've done voiceovers for a, a really long time, right? So my mother-in-law, who is, has since passed, Ended up calling this 800 number. She misdialed and she ended up getting this Destin, Florida information line. And it was all this stuff. Lord, I was still at 93.7 KSD when it was classic rock, which gives you an idea of how long you've ago been around. Was. Yeah. I, so I'm old, is what Ryan's trying <laughs> to say. So that, that's kind of how this goes, right? So I had recorded all these things that you could do when you were in Destin. And Destin was. I don't know, maybe a quarter the size of what it is right now Okay, back then. So my mother-in-law is like, I hear you on the radio. I hear you on TV. And now when I just call random numbers, your voice is there too. You know, I love you, but I'm getting a little sick of hearing you all the time. <laughs> I'm like, imagine how your daughter feels right about now.
4: It is a little weird. So so a little, a little resume. So give us a little background on, you know, if you're listening right now, People know me from the Annie Fry show right now on 97.1. Because you're famous. And I've been, <laughs> yes, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting That's kind of it. But I, I want to try to elevate
3: you. I love and that. And say you're as famous because See, of, and then you fill in the blank. You are such a giver, Ryan Wiggins. This I'm a gracious is exactly, host. This is it. So I will let you know a couple of Father's Days ago, I got a little plaque for my office and I got a little keychain. It was like those old Motel 6 looking kind of little keychains. And it says, I'm kind of a big deal. Right. So if you didn't, which are really unique, you can't find those anywhere. So you you must actually be a big deal. Exactly. I mean, my kids gave that to me and said, you're kind of a big deal, which is a complete joke because I'm not even a big deal at my house. So that that was kind of it. So my name is Mike Elam and you're going who? So it's Elam, male spelled backwards, (laughs) E-L-A-M-M-A-L-E. So you'll you'll love this story. So I'm 22 years old. I get a call from a telemarketer and she's walking me through all this stuff. And she's like, so what's your name? So I tell her. And she goes, how do you spell that? And I said, E-L-A-M. She goes, oh, male spelled backwards. I went, yeah. How old were you when you figured that out? 22. <laughs> so I called call my father, right? And I said, hey, did you realize that our last name spelled backwards is male? And I I can't be sure, but I think that is the time when my father became heavily convinced that all kids should wear helmets when they are skateboarding or bicycling (laughs) because his son obviously had some sort of damage done at one of those falls that he took.
4: Hey, speaking of, you know, because we're going to talk about a lot of stuff on this show uh, even in this show I'll let you kind of set them up but uh, our first guest in the next segment is going to be Missouri Representative John, John w-
3: Weeman. Yep. what What are we talking about with him so we're going to talk about uh, the last session that we had the last Missouri legislature session talk about what happened in the House some bills that got done there just kind okay. do a capital which report. is in recess right now it is uh, and the third segment of this hour Scott Drachik, Drachnik. Drachnik Scott Drachnik is the president and CEO of the St. Charles County Economic Development Center these are your friends if you can't tell these- me Mr. My friends. Uh And you're in politics, too. I am. So I am the chairman of the St. Charles County Council, or as we refer to it, God's country. So uh, I am not part of the People's Republic of St. Louis County. I love my friends in St. Louis County. As a matter of fact, next hour, we will talk with Mark Harder, who is the District 7 representative from St. Louis County, just to get both sides of the river. And I- I'm looking
4: forward to talking a little bit about covid and not only where we're at with it but where we've been with it yes uh you representing well saint charles me representing illinois yeah. uh very very different things but also just some of the news you know it yes it's the weekend but there is a lot of news there's things coming up on monday i understand there's a press conference that may be the last of the covid press conferences that the, the, the county is going to give the, the st louis yes.
3: county task force is supposed to have their last report that which, they're doing.
4: Which means COVID's over, right? Exactly. Well, At least
3: in Missouri. In St. Charles, it's been over since you know never like May of last year. It never yeah, started. It's, it's been done for there's a long so, time. There's
4: so many angles we could talk about that. And we will, and we will. But uh, I, I I started by saying, you know, I want to reference that Elam spelled forward is male. We're we're this is this is going nowhere. Okay. I mean, I'm just promising you that right now. <laughs> but did you ever realize that since we're talking about good and evil here, because we're talking about people who've handled COVID well and who people who haven't, that evil spelled backwards
3: is live. I, I never thought about that. See? But as I've already proven, I am not the most observant person in the world.
4: Well, now you know. And, and if you're 22 years old like Mike was when he realized his own name spelled backwards exactly. is a word, now you've got some context for
3: where we're going with the rest of the show. It's not like I paid a lot of attention to my name backwards. It really wasn't important at the time. (laughs) And it's one of those kind of things that just didn't matter. But, you know, just just to show you how, you know, you and I doing this together, where we knew each other in a past life, Mm -hmm. uh, in in a non-radio world, we knew each other. Uh, By the way, we've always been fully clothed when we've worked together, and this is no different. I just want people to understand that. Not sure Um, anybody would have implied otherwise. I just wanted to be clear in case there was any questions, because some people would probably say, you know, well, why isn't the camera on? I just wanted you to know That's uh, Lori, our producer, is is questioning why she's here. Lori didn't want to be in this room anyway. She just got the short straw, and she (laughs) was the one who knew how to work the controls in the room, so she got stuck here. But funny story about how things come full circle. I moved to St. Louis in July of 1989 to sign 97.1 on the air, and here I am again at 97.1. The Frischlings had bought this station, and they had bought KXOK, And they were going to do all news 630 on KXOK. And it was back when CNN was doing that. Give us 30 minutes. We'll give you the world. And they would change their anchors every half hour is how they do. So it's what headline news is today. Mm -hmm. But back then, that's how CNN was slated. So I moved up here to sign, the, sign 97.1 on, and it was Hot 97, and it was supposed to compete with Q106.5. Remember the Q? Mm-hmm. So it was supposed to compete with that. So I'm in the 83rd largest market in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I get the opportunity to move to the 15th largest market, and I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'm in, right? Where can I pack up the moving truck? And they said, well, we really don't have money for you to move. That should have been. A really good thing for me to notice and say: these people have no money. What What are you doing? <laughs> so you're going to a bigger city than Little Rock. You're gonna need more money to live there. Questions that I never thought to ask. Are you from St. Louis originally? I am not. I'm from Northwest Arkansas. Oh, so that was home. And that now was home. This is home. Yes. So now uh, I got here. Ended up uh, Jeff Bean, who. Uh, uh, story the other day jeff ended up hiring mark reardon for mark's first commercial radio job at the bot radio network oh so uh mark reardon worked for bot radio he did no kidding like he did christian programming and didn't get struck by lightning once while he was there that's i've never have heard that before so it just came up so the funny story is the first time that mark is on the air mark uh the the bots lived in Kansas City, so mm-hmm. they had a line to Kansas City. They could monitor the stations. And the owner's son is listening to the station, and he hears Mark on the radio for the first time. And he calls my brother-in-law, Jeff Bean, who was the general manager of the station, and said, you need to fire that guy. He sounds like Burt Toast. <laughs> like, what?
1: <laughs> what the heck does
3: Burt Toast sound like? Oh, that's but a good question. It, ladies and gentlemen, if my brother-in-law would have fired... Mark Reardon at that time, his radio career may have ended before it ever started. So so, if you love Mark, you love my brother-in-law for doing that. If you don't, you have my brother-in-law to blame for the fact that Mark is still on the air.
4: So just a quick resume before we close this segment out and we'll get to some guests here and talk about uh, the issues of the day and the weekend and the week ahead. But uh, just a quick resume of, of the stations that people might have heard you at when you were a DJ.
3: Oh, God. Uh, Well, if you're old enough to know that. So Hot 97, obviously. Then um, I was at um, KSD when it was classic rock, back when JC and Joe Mama were doing mornings. Um, They had Radio Rich Dalton, Mark Close, um, uh, Chuck Jeffries. Great classic rock without the hard rock. He used to do the Rock and Roll Diner, which was awesome. A lot of those people are still doing that. You know, St. Louis is the (laughs) most... uh, uh, incestuous radio market in the world. Good word. People do not leave this town. Once you get in St. Louis radio, you are here until you die. And in some cases afterwards, but that's a completely different discussion that we can have off here. So I went from there to Magic 108 and I was the uh, creative services director at Magic 108, Gospel 1600 and 100.3 back when it was classic R&B. Um, Got the opportunity to work with some legendary people there, including Dr. Jockenstein. I don't know if you've ever heard, Rod Burton was his real name, but Dr. Jockenstein got his name because he used to be the road manager for the P-Funk All Stars. So George Clinton (laughs) said, if I'm Dr. Funkenstein, that makes you Dr. Jockenstein, because you're the radio guy. So he called him Dr. Jockenstein, and that became his name. Got to work with Lou Father Times, who is legendary. If you've ever heard Denise Times, that is her father, the real JR, who is still on the radio somewhere here, I'm sure. Same deal. Um, so, worked there, uh, got out of radio, got into the cable business. I did do a cup of coffee at the legendary KMOX, but not on the air. By that point, when my daughter was born, uh, I went to the general manager that I was working for at the time and I said, Hey, I really may- need to make more money. He said, Hey, Production guys don't make a lot of money, and you're kind of at the top of that scale, so uh, not going to work. I said, what if I went into sales? So when he came to, after falling out of his chair, he said, really? So I went into sales and became a sales manager in radio and then a sales manager at at Charter Communications, and now I am in the broadband business, so I'm the vice president of i3 Broadband, which is based out of Peoria, Illinois, and we do fiber to the home. So we just announced that we're doing a hundred million dollar investment over the next two years to build out fiber to all of the homes in St. Charles County. So
4: you're out of radio, except somehow we've dragged you back uh at least for this weekend and we'll see beyond. But uh thank, yeah, goes. thank you for being here for a couple of hours. We're we're going to get in some guests here shortly, and just before we do, it's Just hearing you reminisce about these things, I'm a St. Louis guy. So, grown up here my whole life, and been in St. Louis media. I was in Christian radio actually with Joy FM, and uh, now I'm here and have been here for a couple years. But it's uh, it's it's a local media is a changing breed. I don't want to say a dying breed because uh, TV has has kind of gone. It's it's tends it's it's kind of going away in in, in the way that it has been anyway. But radio's not. And so it's, it's, it's good to be talking to you. It's good to hear your history. And uh, I think we've got a future here in radio because this really is the local touchstone now that people have to the community. And I love it. I, I love that that still exists
3: as a way for people to connect with St. Louis. And so here we are doing that. I love it. I'm looking forward to talking with Representative John Wieman, who is the Speaker Pro Temp of the Missouri House. We'll get a recap of what happened at the session, and uh, all kinds of stuff that we're going to do today on the Weekend Report.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt, Hi-ya! and even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician.
3: So you're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. My name is Mike Elam alongside Ryan Wiggins. Listen to you? that voice. You, you know, are trying to sound
4: like a deep radio voice guy just there. And now,
3: you, your thoughts. And you can accomplish it. With Jack Andy.
4: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: So I am so excited. This is the first time I've had the opportunity to host a radio show in nearly 18 years. And... uh Thank God for Ryan being here, but really for Lori being here, because Lori's pushing all the buttons, and uh, even though I'm sure buttons haven't changed that much in how you push them, uh, pressing the right buttons is always very important, and Lori knows how to do that. So uh, I appreciate you guys being here and being on my maiden voyage. Of this brand new adventure, absolutely, it's, it's going fun. to be fun.
4: And Lori would say the same, except that she doesn't have a microphone on, so
3: that that makes it harder <laughs> to talk. Well, at least to be her. Well, she has the buttons; she, she, she can decide <laughs> she if they're can on or do off, whatever so. she wants. That's exactly how. I it can is, turn it on. Hey, every time. hey there she is! <laughs> Look at that. All right, so we talked a little bit before about um, all the different things that we had coming up in the show, and one of the exciting parts for me is I get the opportunity to introduce you. To State Representative John Wieman who is the uh, House Pro Temp of uh, the Missouri House of Legislature, Missouri House of Representatives. John how are you sir? I'm doing great Mike. I am so excited that you would agree to do this. I reached out to John last minute and he was nice enough to agree to come on and do this. So I got appointed to the St. Charles County Council in April of 2013. My first election that I ran was in 2014. John at the time was, I believe, you were the national president of the Pachyderms. Is that correct?
2: Uh, I was. At yes. That time. Actually, I had to step down temporarily when I was running for state rep, but I was, was the
3: um, national president. So John was the national president of the Pachyderms, and um, he ran his first time in 2014. So you are now in your senior year, as the term would be, for state legislature, right?
2: I am. It's hard to believe. You know, I've already served uh, seven sessions, seven years in the legislature, and I have one one more year left in the House. And then I look to maybe run for another,
3: our office. And, and we will have something that we can maybe break on that down the road. I'm, I'm not going to push you on that today. It is my no. first show. I'm not going to try to get you to, you know, have big breaking news for I appreciate for that. that. There you go. <laughs> but I, I did want to circle back with you, and John was kind enough to come to St. Charles County Council a couple of meetings ago and give us a quick recap of what happened at the legislature in this last session. Because uh, as if the session before wasn't weird enough, because COVID was hitting in the 2019 session, Uh, or 2020 session. In the 2021 session, COVID was in full effect. So things were kind of crazy on how Session went. But John, I just wanted to reach out to you and uh, see if you could kind of give us a quick overview in 10 or 15 minutes about the highlights of what happened at Session this year.
2: Well, you know, this year we did have to deal with, a little bit with covid we had the house had to shut down for one week, and I think the Senate shut down for two weeks, so that delayed us a little bit, but we were able to get uh, quite a bit accomplished uh, this year we we passed some pretty significant legislation we passed an ESA bill dealing with uh, education reform allowing uh, parents the opportunity if they wanted to put their child in a different school that they could get some Uh, a mechanism to help pay for that um, outside of public school if they wanted to. Uh, We also passed, uh, you know, a COVID liability bill, which I was uh, responsible on the House side for getting passed. Um, That was something that we we started working on last year in a special session and didn't get it done, and we finally got it finalized and finished this year. Can we dig Uh, into that
3: one a little bit and kind of talk about that that COVID bill? For folks who aren't familiar with that, just a, a quick synopsis of, what did that bill actually do?
2: Well, the, the problem that we were facing in Missouri and, in, and
3: throughout the country is that
2: when all this COVID liability uh, issue or all this COVID uh, started, there was concerns with businesses and other public institutions that, that there would be some potential liability for someone if they went to a store and they were exposed to someone who had, who had uh, COVID and they got sick uh maybe died from it um that they could be legally uh, liable for for that person you know contracting COVID. so that was the 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 premise for trying to provide some protection from you know trial lawyers going out looking for opportunities to try to sue you know businesses churches just any any entity or individual if they were you know by chance exposed to uh, COVID. so That's really what the intent is of the law is to provide that initial protection, and raise the standard um, what you can truly uh, sue someone for uh, for being exposed to a a communicable disease.
3: I know that's a bill that was very important to local business owners. What you're saying, right? Yeah,
4: John. I wanted to ask you about that because we've talked about this quite a bit on on the station in general. that, that 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 bill or maybe ones like it that didn't succeed if i'm not if i'm not incorrect about that that were protecting businesses from being shut down you know there was some legislation that i i was following that uh was intended to prevent what's happened in 2020 from happening again how far did the legislation get in in terms of those in, in progress of that
2: yeah, you know, Ryan, you're you're right. There was other legislation that just we ran out of time. Yeah. I actually supported another bill that uh, Representative Ben Baker was pushing. Uh, it just didn't get far enough down the path for us to get it it or the uh, over the line. Um, it, it was a similar COVID liability bill. I mean, really, just I think we got down to an argument about you know which bill was better, and you know we just you know I like I'm for court reform on for COVID liability protection in general. Um, whether this bill was the best bill, I think that's still probably up for debate, but it is something. Uh, the problem is, is is that we took so long to get this passed. We should have passed this last year. Um, you know, our laws in Missouri, we can't make retroactive laws. We can't go back and say, okay, well, anybody who had a COVID exposure last year, you're protected. Uh, this only goes moving forward, and that would be the same thing with that other bill as well. And I know there was concerns about, you know, certain entities like hospitals or healthcare providers or nursing homes that they could they could get away with, you know, murder basically, um, and, and say, well, I, you know, it was COVID nineteen, so you can't sue me, and that's not the case. Um, you know, a lot of legal scholars have reviewed. Both pieces of legislation, and came to the conclusion that that is just completely false. Um, if you commit a crime, that's still a crime. Uh, if you if you are negligent and you fail to take care of and provide proper care to someone, um, you know you can't use COVID-19 as a as a shield to get away from. Being held accountable for that john we, and the same let, thing with let, the let me ask you real quick too.
4: let me ask you real quick why because people were really frustrated about that in particular this has been a weird session you know most of the time these sessions go by and then you're in recess and you know that we are 97 one, well, we talk about this stuff all the time um but there's been a lot of focus on this legislative session probably because of the COVID bills so what, what happened that that prevented, like you said, it, it took too long? Were there just two different bills that were running the same tracks, and you couldn't decide which one to go with, and the other one still has a future? I mean, what happens to those other, like the, the protections for businesses, especially?
2: Well, getting into the weeds here on this, from a legislative standpoint, the COVID liability bill that passed out of the Senate first was was uh, Senate Bill Fifty One or and Forty Two that passed out of, a, out of the senate fairly early in session um and so it got over to the house fairly quickly the other um COVID liability bills i filed one which was identical to the uh, senate version and then of course representative ben baker filed one as well those those bills took a little while to get out of the house and over to the senate and so it really just came down to we ran out of time and, and as you know um, it's it's a much more difficult to pass, especially tort reform. You have to have to remind your listeners that this is a tort reform bill, and you know the trial lawyers do not like tort reform. They generally fight it with with every ounce of their effort, and and this is a situation where there were some long negotiations that went on in the in the Senate. I was there till two o'clock in the morning over in the Senate side involved in those negotiations and trying to figure out you know a solution that that we could get passed out of the Senate. And uh, that's pretty much what happened. It's just the Senate bill got to the House first. And, you know, when you're getting down to the last minute, it's just very difficult to go back to the table and say, okay, now we'll spend spend some more time to renegotiate the same issue that we negotiated earlier in the year.
3: Well, I do know that there was another COVID bill that um, you were instrumental in, and that really dealt with the overreach of health directors or really limiting the powers of uh county health directors can you talk about that one a little bit
2: absolutely that's my bill house bill 271 it was really it turned into an omnibus bill here's a here's another example ryan of what happens at the last minute yeah you know we had uh we had uh my bill went over to the to the senate house bills 271 it was basically just dealing with local government transparency which is kind of a big deal um, and then it turned into an omnibus bill. The Senate put on 28 amendments onto that bill, all related to local government. One of which was the amendment put on by Senator Onder dealing with the Sam Page and the local health department's uh, overreach of, of government uh, on shutting down businesses, especially like in St. Louis County. And uh, so that amendment was put on there and ultimately was, was kept on there and we were able to successfully get that through the house and and now it's on the governor's desk to be signed
3: so the, so the details about this particular bill, and and how it relates to health directors and people like me on the county council um the the part of that that i found was very interesting is the health director has 30 days to kind of do what they've done but after that what happens with it
2: well they if they make an order that says that you know businesses have to shut down, um, they have up to 30 days where they can enforce that. But then beyond that, um, if they want to continue that order, uh, then they'd have to um, the, the the county council or the city council would have to uh, vote and approve any any continuation of those orders. And the and the, and the council could also get, intervene. Um, even earlier than that, they can at least, they, there's some oversight now that's in place where we didn't have before. And that was a something that we didn't realize in the state of Missouri that these local health departments had that much authority that they could do what they did at, ar- around the state, especially in St. Louis County. And so we felt it was important that uh, we give that power back to the elected officials who are responsible and accountable to the voters to be able to help ultimately decide if we're going to shut down you know, uh, uh, businesses in our in our area or our state that they have some accountability.
4: We're getting short on time here. Let me sneak in a question about a different topic before we do run out of time. Missouri Representative John weeman on the phone with us. Uh, e- election integrity. I know that that's been been talked about quite a bit. You guys didn't get to it yet, but it's, it's one that, man, we hear a lot of people saying Missouri's got to take up something on election integrity. What are you guys working on?
2: Well, we worked on a lot of good stuff this year, and unfortunately, that was one of the the areas where we we failed to get it done this year. Uh, Election integrity and, of course, initiative petition reform, I'm sure you've had a lot of people ask about that as well. But election integrity, when we talk about that, we're we're really referencing, you know, the ballots, making sure the ballots can't be compromised, Mm -hmm. uh, dealing with the big push was to make sure we had paper ballots. I know in my county, St. Charles County, we... We use paper ballots. We have a scanner that scans the the ballots, but there's a there's a document, there's a there's a there's a trail, a paper trail, that you can go back and audit. And so, you know, there are some areas of the state that, that use machines, and, and machines would in our legislation, machines would still be allowed, but only for people who are disabled or cannot use or fill out a a paper ballot. Then the other thing is where we've seen a lot of a lot of abuse and fraud is in the area of absentee ballot voting in early voting and all those kind of things and, and that's where this legislation that we were working on would have addressed providing some framework to uh, to allow some absentee ballot, uh, early voting but but on a very limited basis in person and really having the, the proper uh protections in there to make sure the fraud uh, election fraud would not occur also trying to get uh, voter id back into the uh, equation the the courts kind of struck that down and we need to Get that back in there to make sure we have that protection as well. Uh, on IP reform, that was one of the things that I worked on. I had a bill that dealt with uh, the uh, ballot summary language. Uh, what's happened in the past? The Missouri legislature has passed uh, House Joint Resolutions or Senate Joint Resolutions, which allow a, a particular issue to go to to you know the, to the voters to be voted on. And within that resolution, we'll bake into that resolution the language that we want to have on the ballot to say this is what the bill does and what's happening is the uh the the, the opposition is suing the state and then having it go to the courts and the courts are taking it upon themselves to rewrite the ballot language to their liking and um so we feel that that is they don't have the authority they've taken it upon themselves to do it and so we want to make sure the ballot language cannot be rewritten by the uh by the courts
3: john it sounds like you and then, of you've... course I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. We're we're about to wrap up in time here. Go ahead and finish that. Thought. Well, I was
2: just going to say one one more thing on the IP reform. The other thing is we've been seeing is is that we, we feel like it's important that we put some greater, um, some greater uh, barriers. Not well, I wouldn't say barriers, but greater re- requirements for our um, constitution to be changed. Right now, anyone can go file a petition. Uh, get enough signatures, and they can put it on the ballot to change the Constitution. We want to make sure, and then, of course, the vote, you only need 50% plus one. And we want to change that to make it a little bit more difficult to change um, our Constitution.
3: Fantastic. So we'll get back in touch with you as, when's veto session coming up? Uh, September. So we'll get back in touch with you. We
2: might have a special session thrown in there somewhere
3: in between then. I can't imagine there's anything going on that people really need to talk about with a special session. I mean, it's been such a bland year. It's, so quiet. We just kind of an, smeared. right there. It yeah.
4: has been a year. I mean, we've talked about Missouri legislature probably more this year than I remember doing. So
3: Well, there's been a whole lot going yeah. on. John, I, I wanted to tell you I appreciate you. It's always nice when I have somebody in leadership in Saint, from St. Saint Charles County, and uh, you mentioned uh, St. Charles Election Authority, so shout out to Kurt Barr, the Election Authority Director in St. Charles County, and I appreciate the fact that we have paper ballots and uh, we do things in a way that makes sure you can go back and you can always check the integrity of the vote. Absolutely. John, thank you very much for being here. I know you're going to have some news to break at some point about your future plans, because after next year, you can't be in the house anymore. So I'm looking forward to seeing where you go, hearing more uh, from you about where you go. But today, I appreciate you spending the time with us this weekend.
2: Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. It's been an honor to be on the show.
3: That's State Representative John Wieman. he is District 103 in St. Charles County. He is also the Speaker Pro Temp of the Missouri House. Uh, We are going to keep that St. Charles theme going because Scott Drocknick is getting ready to join us. Scott is the President and CEO of the Economic Development Center of St. Charles County. So we will talk with Scott about the numbers around the region, looking at census, looking at uh, employment numbers, and how things really shape up. So you are listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk.
1: Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone.
4: 97.1 FM Talk. This is The Weekend Report, and this is Ryan Wiggins, normally from noon to 3 on 97.1 on the Annie Fry Show. But this weekend, here with you on Saturday, along with Mike Elam, who is uh, filling in as co-host as well. Thank you for being
3: here, sir. It's my pleasure. We get to work together. You're just working all the time, evidently. I guess you work you work through the week. You work the weekends. You got an overnight job that you throw in? Uh, Why not? Hey, why I not? Mean, I, we'll just stay, and we'll just do overnights here. <laughs> can george nori can take a hike that's right <laughs> george would probably like to have a day off but yeah, you know yeah. who will ever know where to where to bury the weapons if george isn't here i mean that's just a complete <laughs> different thing.
4: let's do a deep dive on coast to coast sometime we
3: should probably not do that <laughs> we we would get in trouble hey we appreciate you listening this weekend uh we were talking with john Wieman from the Missouri House of Representatives just before that. And John is a St. Charles guy. I am a St. Charles County Council guy, so I just wanted to keep that whole St. Charles theme rolling. and wanted to introduce you to Scott Drocknick. Scott is the CEO and president of the EDC Business and Community Partners of St. Charles County. I have known Scott for a number of years. I am a big Scott Drocknick fan. He does a fantastic job. So, Scott, welcome to Weekend Report.
1: Mike, it's great to be here. I appreciate, appreciate the invitation and always love talking to the voice of St. Charles County.
3: See, look at you. That, so, Ryan, there's another one. I can get another keychain. Not only am <laughs> I kind voice. of a big deal, I am the voice of St. Charles County.
4: Yeah, that's 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 heavily borrowed from uh, KMOX.
3: You know, all you have to do is if you go out and MC 20, 25 events a year for nonprofits across St. Charles County, eventually people will start calling you the voice of St. Charles County. Now I, I try to corner that as much as I possibly can, and generally I get to do those jobs because I fit the budget, and that's you know. So
4: you're saying just talk loud enough, long enough, and
3: somebody will call you the voice of something. It it kind of works that way, you know. You could be the voice of Centralia. I don't I don't know where do you live in Illinois again? We'll just say Centralia we'll now. We'll just say Centralia now. <laughs> I, not, but... I, I know it's I know it's somewhere with a six one eight area code. <laughs> I'm right. just I'm not quite sure there. That's right. Um, hey Scott, I wanted to have you on the show and I appreciate you making the time, especially short notice uh, about doing all this. But Scott is really good about putting out information that I find extremely useful, especially as an elected official. Um, And I'm granted a big homer. I really am. I am on fire about st charles county i think there are a number of reasons to be on fire about st charles county but scott puts out a lot of material that really helps you if you live in st charles county to feel proud about being there and scott one of the things that you put out the other day that i i just thought was um really kind of amazing Going through COVID and how we're coming out of that was the employment numbers that we were looking at, and I wanted you to kind of touch on that and kind of look at uh, St. Charles County and the region and how everything kind of shapes up,
1: if you would. Sure, and I appreciate that. Well, here in St. Charles County, I'm I'm pleased to say that we are back at pre-pandemic levels. We're at three percent unemployment as of the most recent stuff that came out for the other month. Uh, and and we continue to lead the region and, and lead the state when it comes to folks getting back to work. Uh, the skilled labor that St. Charles County has is, is the most popular, most in demand in the St. Louis region. Uh, and for that purpose, that's why we have the, the, the lowest unemployment and we have about 64 percent of our folks leaving the community all the time to go work somewhere else in the region. So folks love the skilled labor available in our area.
4: Scott, you obviously know a lot about the economics of St. Charles. Do you know anything about, uh, I, maybe you're watching both at the same time because that informs your decisions, but how has, uh, how have your COVID numbers been? We all know that St. Charles has been open. Everybody kind of jokes like, well, there's, that's the free country over there, especially for <laughs> me in Illinois. Um, but, but has there been a difference in the COVID numbers for you guys having stayed open the whole time?
1: Well, first off, let me just say, I know COVID uh, is is approached by different people by different ways. But uh, in our family, we've got a long hauler. I've had all of our vaccinations, as have others. We've actually had people in our organization who have given it to family members and a family member passed away. So I take it very seriously. Uh, But I'm pleased to say that the approach that was taken, which was a much more libertarian approach, in st charles county without the closures without the mandates that we saw in other parts of the region ended up with about the exact same infection rates and death rates of everybody else that closed everything and stopped all business and stopped all restaurants so uh, there's many ways to fight a fire we found a way that worked for our community and worked for our residents and our voters and our businesses Uh, and in the end we we ended up at the same point just about as everybody else
3: You know, I appreciate the fact of and many conversations with the county executive and uh, Steve Ellman took a lot of grief from people for not doing a mask mandate. And I know one of the reasons that Steve took that approach was he said, look, there's most communities who have mask mandates have them in. Uh, in word only. There were no penalties. There was no enforcement mechanism. They just said, we have a mask mandate. But really, if you don't want to wear a mask, there's, there's really no penalty that you have to do. Steve took the approach of, if I can't do something that's enforcing it, it's just hollow legislation for the fact of having legislation. But he said, we will be judged by history as to whether or not we got it right or whether or not we got it wrong. And I think what you just said, Scott, is important that there were a lot of different ways to approach this. And I think you're starting to see, you know, some people did it better. Some people did it worse. But I'm curious, you work with a lot of uh, community partners and a lot of business partners in the area. What are they seeing in terms of business in St. Charles County? What's the big need? Because at three percent, and I know I see help wanted signs everywhere. And Lori, over at our workforce development um, office, where you used to be, does a fantastic job. What are you seeing as the biggest need for St. Charles County businesses right now?
1: Well, I think whether it's at our county level, regional level, state, or even national level, we need to be concerned about the labor force participation numbers. Uh, They hit a high right around the year 2000, and we've been stuck in the low 60s or even below nationwide, and even in the region since that point. Um, So we've got to find a way to motivate people to get back into the labor pool. We've got to find an opportunity for more employers to consider apprenticeships, consider people that have come out of the justice system, uh, consider folks who have disabilities, We need all hands on deck. There is no lack of jobs, no lack of career opportunities, and no lack of avenues to pursue the American dream statewide, regionwide, and in St. Charles County. Um, In our area, amazingly enough, we recently found that Amazon, who came to town and said they were going to hire about 1,500 people two years ago, actually has over 6,150 full-time employees. Wow. And so we don't have public transportation. We live through a pandemic. Yes, e-commerce is going crazy. But they found a way to, you know, drastically enhance the number of people they brought into town and, and, and actually working. And so these are pulling from the regional labor shed. They're paying good wages. They've become a good competition and a good bar for folks to have to compete with. So when I hear people are having trouble finding jobs, I get it. I want to ask them, what kind of job is it? What kind of wages? What kind of hour is it? And I think a lot of folks are reconsidering what are they willing to do and and how much are they willing to work for. And so we have to look at human resources uh, and and folks as an important resource to to prize, to value, to motivate, to reward, and not just simply... uh, filling in times and slots and hours on a quota sheet.
3: So, Scott, I think we've we've got about a minute left here uh, to wrap up real quick. But as you look at the challenges of the region that you've talked about from that standpoint, what do you think are the biggest hindrances that we're seeing of Um, working together as a region, what's the main thing we need to do as a region to get together from St. Louis City to the east side to St. Louis County to St. Charles County and others to be able to make our region more productive and more attractive to people outside?
1: Well, I appreciate the work of the, of the new group, Greater St. Louis, Inc., and and the uh, 2030 Jobs Report that they've put together. Well, we're going to have to find a way to look past our demographic and our, our political differences and focus on those things that really matter, which is how do we have uh, growth for jobs? How do we have uh, good opportunities for the next generation? How do we take care of the infrastructure and things that we have in this area? Uh, I do believe that the metropolitan St. Louis area could be Again, well within the top 20 or even the top 10 or 15 compared to where we've been. Uh, But it's going to take all of us not pointing the finger at one another, but finding a way to work together. And again, like I said, overcoming some of those barriers. But we've got great assets. We're on the river. We're centrally located. You we know. all love the Cardinals and lots of other things. So there's <laughs> there's opportunities to grow. We just have to grow together rather than be fighting and pointing fingers at one another.
4: Scott Dragnik, St. Charles Economic Development. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Weekend Report. And just a reminder that you can get <clears throat> all of these on the podcast. You can get all these interviews and everything from me and Mike here on The Weekend Report on the podcast, 971talk.com. Or, of course, you can uh, download the app and listen live anytime, odyssey.com, if you already have the radio.com app app, you will uh, see that that's switched over to Odyssey automatically. You can download it as well. Thanks for joining us for the Weekend Report. we got another hour ahead. Mike Elam, Ryan Wiggins, in for the Weekend Report. Thanks for joining us.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet?
3: It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. I love that intro. It reminds me of The Quiet Storm (laughs) with Doc Winter. A Magic One O Eight.
4: Is that a real show?
3: The Quiet Storm? Are you kidding me?
4: I, I know it from a Saturday night live sketch. No,
3: brother. Nine PM to two AM Do you Doc know what Winter. I'm referring to? I do. But that's I don't a, remember
4: what they did. It was a completely, something like
3: that. Completely different sketch, but it's pretty much the same way, right? <laughs> so Doc Winter used to be Doc Winter is a legendary Saint Louis DJ, especially on Magic One O Eight back in the day when Magic was a top five urban radio station in America. I mean, it was killing. And Doc Winter by far, is the smoothest man I have ever met in my life. He is the St. Louis version of Billy Dee Williams in his heyday. So Doc would do the show from nine p.m. to uh, yeah, nine p.m. to two a.m. was his show, and it was called The Quiet Storm.
4: Didn't it have Doc like Warner. a sound effect.
3: No, it didn't. It didn't. That have was a the sound. That was no. This was baby making music, man. This is this is all your love jams. Oh, I know that. Yeah,
4: I just thought they had like a no. Thunder. He had
3: he had this low kind of drive in music. Hey, get okay. to be my friend. So he was very White. He was, but okay. it, he wasn't. He wasn't that kind of deep voice. But he was just smooth, right? Just smooth all the way. And um, Doc used to do this. He would be like, um, "It's the quiet storm. I'm Doc Winter. How you loving? I mean, just just super smooth, right? So I used to give him so much grief because. Doc used to do this. He he had a letter that he would read, and it was kind of like Casey Kasem's long-distance dedication from back in the day, but it was called Make My Woo, right? So instead of Make My World, it was Make My Woo, which comes from a Lionel Richie song, and that was how he said the line in the song, right? So Doc adopted that, and he used to get these letters all the time. And I swear to you, every letter that Doc used to get was he would talk about, um, hey, Doc, I'm I miss my lady, I miss my kids. I really, you know, I've I've been, you know, I've been in here, I've been in there. I've been incarcerated for the last 5 years. And I was like, dude, every letter that you have is like people who are incarcerated. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm very popular in jail. I'm like,
4: <laughs> dude, that's real. It that's was. real. I worked at, Here's the other side of that, okay. very other side of that from coming from Christian music. Yes one of the places that we got the most letters from
3: jails it makes sense when you stop and think about mm-hmm. it i mean i would give him grief about it but it's when you stop and think about it they have tons of time on their hands mm-hmm. they they've got the radio on all the time so of course they would sit and uh, i mean when you're when you're listening to shows like that you do miss your lady right it's like okay would you please let her know that i am thinking about her and I, I don't, I'm not trying to make fun of somebody's situation, but I just always thought I'm like, you know, uh variety, like you could have another letter. Not every one of your letters need to be <laughs> from Hey, this is, this is John. He's incarcerated. You know, right? where 97
4: it's, one does not get a lot of letters from where jails.
3: Really? <laughs> yeah.
4: That's, apparently it's just like, you don't care as much about the politics of the world. When you're locked up in a cell,
3: you know, that, that makes some sense. Cause you know, listening to people like you and I, uh, talk and ramble on probably not a not a big thing for people who are incarcerated so yeah i i don't know how i ended up on that it was just it was the smooth tone of that lead in for the weekend report with ryan and mike
4: you know that what's up y'all maybe maybe this has changed maybe this has changed now because uh covid has affected jails well that's true it has and i i honestly i have no idea about local jails or anything, you know, how it's affected local jails. I just know the national headlines that you've probably seen too, sure. especially at the beginning, that they were just like letting people out of jail. And, yes. And if you got convicted of crime, not sending you to jail. So it, COVID has changed everything. Maybe maybe now we get tons of listenership in jail. I don't know. I, I,
3: I'm I'm going to guess no. Okay. I'm going to guess no. But, <laughs> you know, so you, you mentioned COVID, right? So- uh, I was having a conversation earlier with Steve Moore, our amazing program director and fantastic guy. And we were just kind of talking about the fact of, uh, it turns out that St. Louis task force is having their last press conference on Monday. So it brought up the question of, Hey, does that mean COVID's over? I mean, on Monday, the task force is doing their last press conference. So I'm taking that to mean that in St. Louis County, COVID is officially over on Monday. I mean, it's been over in St. Charles since like May of last year, Mm -hmm. right? But in in St. Louis (laughs) County, then does that actually mean that COVID is over? Or what would it take for you to say, all right, to me, this has to happen before I say, okay, COVID's done. I can go back to my regular life. What would that be for you? Uh, it, It already was that for me a long time ago.
4: Actually... I wanted it to be that way, you know, like June of last year. Okay. Um, but I realized, like, no, it, I, it can't be. So I've got health concerns. I've got cystic fibrosis. So everybody's like, you're high risk. And everybody's telling me to be careful, you know. And I, I was like, dude, everybody seems so much more afraid than I actually am. But they're afraid. They're, like, putting it on me. Right. So they're, they're not they're necessarily projecting. afraid. Yes. They're, they're saying, you should be careful. So I didn't want to internalize that. And be be afraid, right. but I also realize like enough people are telling me that I should be concerned about it that I guess I should. Well <laughs> then, and, and my wife too. You know, like she's she's just prone to be cautious. Okay, I think as a person, and so I'm prone to not, and so we we work out well. Like I'm pulling one direction, she's pulling <laughs> Ying the other. And yang. There we there find we go. a happy medium usually. Um, but you know she's a teacher too, so she was considering school. And, she's in the middle of all of and it, and they never closed at her school. Oh, uh, which nice. was great because our kids go to that school. So okay. you know we were happy that that was happening, and and uh, that they were in school because everybody's heard the horror stories. That just you know it's been a lost year for a lot of kids. It has a lost year. I mean, if you've been if you've been at home, yeah, teachers have been trying hard to teach. They have, but there's there's so many barriers that when you're they're not in the classroom that's hard to overcome. So anyway, long story short, I finally got covid in December. And so did she, and so did all of our kids, all at the same time, and it was really convenient. It was right before school was <laughs> about to let out for Christmas, and we were we 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 got a little bit of cold, you know, and I was actually going to we were at home at the time, so I wasn't coming into the studio, but I was still going into work because I was going into a studio, okay, um not in my basement at the time. And So I called the guy, the only other guy that was in that studio. I said, do you want me to stay home? I got a little cold. He's like, why don't you just go get checked on your way in? So I did. They immediately (laughs) called me back, and I I took the kids because it was one of those little mobile sites. Oh, yeah, okay. Took the kids. They all got the swab. My wife did too. They called us back uh, really quickly and said, "Uh, hey, you've all got it. We couldn't believe it because it was so mild. Oh, wow. And so that was the point where COVID was done for me because I knew from then on, According to the medical data, not according to the political science, of, exactly. <laughs> but according to the medical data, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe I'd get it within six months again. But we talked to on the Andy Fry show. We talked to a doctor every Monday who's not a politician, and he we stay out of politics. We just talked medicine with him. Okay, and he would say the chances of you getting COVID again, if you've had it, extremely low. Right. If you do, it's not going to be worse than you had it. Because You already have antibodies that are already you there, you already have antibodies, so it should lessen it. It should, even if you get it again, which is rare, it's going to lessen it. So, for me, it was basically Christmas of 2020.
3: So, I have a similar COVID type thing, I have uh asthma, and as you can tell from looking at me, which is another reason why we don't have the cameras on, about 50 pounds, generously speaking, overweight. So, um, it, it was one of those things where I got COVID at my job a uh, guy who who got it there gave it to about 6 of us at work he would you were still going in i was still going in okay. right so uh didn't know so um, I ended up giving it to everybody in my household as well. So, of course, you know, they're all thrilled. Thanks so much, Dad, for making everybody sick.
4: See, you say that sarcastically, but we actually were thankful.
3: Well, it, so what's funny about that is I was the only one who really kind of had it. I was down for about a week. I never went to the hospital, but it really kicked my butt. I had no energy. Going from the upstairs yeah. bedroom to the couch downstairs, I needed about an hour to recoup from that, right? Wow. And then... I'm ready to go, but it it wasn't it wasn't horrible horrible, uh, but I did enjoy the two weeks off, which was which was nice, uh-huh. right? My daughter did enjoy the two weeks off from school, um, and and we kind of cruised on it. So so we're good. I'm thinking from that point. So I'm with you. I wasn't as cautious as I should have been, but well, but but you would have got. It
4: seems to me like no matter how cautious you were you got it you know most people were getting it even people who were wearing masks all the time and right so i don't know that how
3: much the caution was helping i and i don't know so i have a a former fraternity brother of, of mine who is a doctor down at jonesboro arkansas and and he and i had a conversation uh months ago and he was talking about the fact of hey you know all this stuff that they're telling you about covid he goes don't believe it. This whole thing about you, you're at high risk, you're not at high risk. He said, I don't buy that and eventually we're going to figure it out, but I can tell you, I've had some really senior patients who are not in great health, who have gotten COVID and have come through it with flying colors. He said, I've had some young patients who seem to be completely healthy, no markers at all, no warning signs. They've gotten COVID and died. Mm -hmm. He said, there's more to this than what we know right now. And I I completely believe that because I've seen people of, of all shapes and forms, some high risk, supposedly some none. I've seen folks who have no risk factors at all that we know of who have gotten COVID and gone straight downhill and, and we lost them. Like that was really bad. But I'm really just kind of curious. We've got vaccines. We've, we've had a lot of people who have had COVID, like you and I and our families. Lori, have you had COVID?
1: I have not. And I cannot be vaccinated either because of severe allergies.
3: So Ryan and I are not going to make you sick today. So you, you are should not feel right. very healthy. You should feel all good. I do. Well, I that's know. true. Ryan Ryan may give you something else. I don't know. But I, Y'all I don't, are
1: not giving me anything. It, it, except <laughs> a,
3: boredom, I'm a, I'm a, maybe. I'm a filthy, I don't know. filthy person. You look so like one. You know, Just being around me, you might terrible. get something. I'm hoping that, that you'd shave and bathe at some point. But, you know, it's radio. Nice. So you really You're don't have a lot. to. That, it's, it's really going above and beyond. But it, it's one of those... those... Those kind of things where I, I think people have kind of hit COVID fatigue. A lot of people that I know have hit COVID fatigue and they've said, Look, I've I've done everything I was told to do. I stayed away from all the places I was supposed to stay away from. A lot of people have gotten the shots that they were told to get, and they said, Look, I'm ready to move on. If I get it, I get it at this point. And I understand there's always going to be a risk. You know, uh, version W, as we were joking about earlier, of the virus is coming. Because it seems like every couple of weeks or so I hear about a new, a new strain, yeah. right? Here's a new variant. Here's Variance D, Variance G, Variance XYZ, Elemental B. I don't know. Something's always going to be there to get you. The question becomes, how much of fear do you want to live your life? And at what point do you turn the corner and go, you know what, man, I'm going to stick my flag in the ground right here and I'm moving forward because I've got to continue to live my life like you were talking about. I can't live in fear all the time. That's no way to have a happy, joyous life. And life's too short for you to live that way. You've got to find a way to be at peace with the threats that are around you because something's going to get you eventually. None of us make it out of this alive. I swear to you, I haven't met anybody yet who's made it out alive. So we're going to have to get to that point.
4: Well, here's how I know that you're right about COVID fatigue. I mean, not just that we're, the task force is ending, the White House task force is ending actually too. So that's <laughs> probably go. why the count the, the the county's doing it too, yeah. is that they're saying, well, you know, it's, it's ending. But If the White House is done, we have to be done. Have you been to an event recently? Oh, man. They're packed. Oh. I mean, any festival, any barbecue, anything,
3: people people are out. out. They are.
4: And so, yeah, there's the anecdotal evidence that you are 100% correct.
3: I I think that's kind of where we're at. You know, I want to get an update, though. I mean, being in in God's country, living in St. Charles, (laughs) I know how things are there, and I know who comes to county council meetings in St. Charles County but St. Louis County Council just started meeting in person again after being virtual for over a year. Mark Carter is the County District 7 representative. Let's talk to Mark. Let's find out where is he on COVID and where is he in St. Louis County and what's going on in St. Louis County from a county council. They're a lot more exciting than St. Charles these days, I can yes. tell you that. So we will talk with Mark coming up shortly on The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk.
1: It's a pretty little dream.
4: 97.1 FM talk. You're wis- listening. You're listening to the weekend report.
3: <laughs> you do radio for a living, don't you? This
4: is Wayne Wiggins. <laughs> Normally on noon to three, but here on the weekends with Mike Elam,
3: doing the weekend report together. It's been fun. It has been fun. I appreciate you and Lori very much for kind of coming alongside, keeping the training wheels on for the new guy. Crash course, but you've you've done plenty of this. So you know, not necessarily
4: talk radio as much.
3: But. No, but I'm I'm a really experienced talker. Yes. So what's funny is we talked to Scott Drocknick earlier. They have a big fundraiser every year down at the St. Charles Riverfront that's called Mo Cowbell, and at Mo Cowbell <laughs> they get between five and six thousand runners generally who run this race, and I emceed that event for six years. Right. So it started. There was about fifteen hundred when I started it, but the last year that I did it a couple of years ago, uh, before COVID stuff. There were 6,000 runners that were particip- participating in that event.
4: Okay, just because you're, you're, you're talking about this, and I don't mean to cut you off. It's okay, you I, there's, already there's, there's a couple. I know. There's a couple of issues that I do want to get to here, yep. but races and stuff, are we having that
3: stuff this year? Uh, some. They're starting to come back. Um, the small 5Ks, they have been doing again, but I haven't really seen the big races run. But the interesting thing about Mo Cowbell that I was saying is I would start talking at 7 a.m. I read everyone's name who crossed the finish line. So I literally talked from 7 a.m. until the last people who had come through. And God love people who are getting personal victories. We're so happy for you. But at that point, at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon... I'm kind of wishing you would have got a ride, right? Somebody could have picked you up and got you there a little bit earlier because I didn't really need you to go till 3 o'clock, but I would read everybody's name. And I tried to be just as excited about that person who was doing that marathon, and it it took them. They left at 7.30, and they're coming back in at quarter to 3, right? So I tried to be excited about you as they're breaking down all the stuff around me. How many people did you say you had to read? (laughs) 6,000. Gosh! And, but I hope you got paid well. So uh, actually, paid per name, I, I I got paid super well. Uh, Karen Miller, who used to be the marketing person at the EDC, was nice enough to give me gift cards uh, for doing that. So <laughs> it was it was nice to do that. But it was funny because. Um, they said, man, so you talked from seven in the morning until three in the afternoon. And my wife is like, yeah, that's a day that ends in Y for Mike. That's uh, it's really not that. Wow. Big. Yeah. I am very loved at my house. Can you tell? I mean, I'm, but I did get that. I'm kind of a big deal plaque. So let's not forget that. That's right. You know, because I keep having to remind you two about that. You keep forgetting. I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. It's it's uh
4: it's it's. It's a weird. It's it's easy to forget how big of a deal you are. You, you
3: know, amazingly <laughs> enough, I say that to my family on a regular basis. <laughs> you seem to forget how big of a deal I really am. You but- know, it's
4: funny that you just reminded me of that. And I don't know if if you saw this story or not. It it it's kind of making the rounds, but it's a, it's a it's a hyper local story. Okay, uh, playing into the larger narrative of the sort of incentives to get the vaccine. You know, yes. Ohio's doing like the lottery and they just right. gave away their first million dollars this week. I I, I can't believe that's actually happening.
3: I but know. That that's taxpayer money. It well, and now you've got people I mean, in some of the states, like your your lovely state of Illinois, there's some states that are doing things where, hey, if you get your vaccine, you can get free edibles at the Yes, at the <laughs>
4: Washington's doing that. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, get a vaccine, get a joint. You're like what they,
3: why why are these yeah. two things connected in any way? Get a shot, get high, you know, just it, it's it's a smooth out quiet storm kind of day. I mean I go. mean
4: there's a good reference, a callback <laughs> reference already. I hope you've been listening for a while. If you haven't, radio.com, you can rewind. There or, you sorry, go. sorry, odyssey.com. Hey, get it right. How many times have we done that? Uh but yeah, like if it's a private business doing it, it seems like, well, that's cool. Like Budweiser doing the sure. Get a vaccine, get a beer, kind of thing. It's
3: a great. That's a good marketing. And it's Mark Twist, exactly. Right.
4: That makes perfect sense. But when it's taxpayer dollars, and the recent story, and I don't have this pulled up, so I'm I'm pulling from memory here, but uh, and, and it involves the county, St. Louis County. Okay. And it, was it Webb? The uh, do you, does that ring a bell?
3: I don't remember. The Councilwoman
4: that one. Webb uh, is is proposing. Spending, I think, eight hundred seventy-five thousand dollars on gift cards, what for people to get vaccinated? So that brings up a number of issues. One, if you already got vaccinated, I'd yeah. be mad. I want my card. Where's my card? Yeah, a hundred-dollar you know grocery gift card, fifty-dollar gas cards. Oh, geez,
3: I was thinking five-dollar Starbucks. Oh no no, 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 no.
4: We're talking about real money. Oh, like days' work kind of money if you're working a normal job. Here's your Trader Joe's gift
3: certificate.
4: Yeah. Whole Foods. For, and, and of course, this is coming from taxpayer money, but they treat it, you, you'll know all about this being in local politics, they treat it like it's free money because it's coming from the federal
3: government. Yeah, but it's not. It's not. like the, the, So people need to remember, your government at any level, local all the way up, right, does not make anything. Your local government does not make money. The only way that your local government gets money and your state and your federal government gets money is to take it from its citizens. Now, there are some things I'm a firm believer we need government to do. We can debate about all the different things and whether you're you're liberal, conservative or I put libertarians in a completely different box, because as I was talking about earlier, there are some libertarian friends that I have feel like limited government is not a phone book, it should be a pamphlet, right? So that's that's about as much government mm-hmm. as they want to have involved here. So I may differ on a, on a few things from my libertarian friends, but when you start looking at where did money come from... It comes from its citizens. So there is no free money. Somebody's getting that, somebody's making that money and the government is taking it from them. It it may be completely legit reasons as to why the government's getting the money and you can debate that, but it, it's not free money. So we were talking before about um, different things that are going on that the government is doing lately and kind of overreach to your point. Of Hey, we're going to spend all this money. One of the things that came up that you and I were just talking about oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. the pipeline. And yeah. and the pipeline is now done done.
4: Right. So this is. Yeah, I, I don't want to say this is breaking news, but it's it's news from the end of the week anyway, that hasn't really been talked about like this. This hasn't gotten much attention but I thought that it should because I was gonna. Well, you already know where I'm going with it, but but I was gonna list two facts. One being, okay, the Keystone Pipeline has now been completely canceled. Right, they were on hold, hoping, hey, maybe we can work something out. Yeah. Biden won't budge, or his people who are pulling his strings won't budge.
3: Biden doesn't know.
4: Biden doesn't know what's he doesn't going really on. Know. Yeah, um, he thinks the Keystone Pipeline is still going. Yes. Uh,
3: but it's not. He still thinks Keystone is, you know, bottled beer taste in a can. Yes. He, he doesn't know Keystone's actually <laughs> yes. a pipeline. So. Yeah.
4: And somebody told him, no, sir, you're actually a Paps man. <laughs> but he, that fact alone that Keystone has been completely canceled now. I mean, how stupid. Um, and simultaneously this week, the White House is uh, having a summit with Vladimir Putin. Biden and Putin are going to meet.
3: Yeah, that's going to be a great conversation, isn't it? Are you connecting my dots here? Oh, man.
4: Because in the news in the last couple weeks, we've also found out that the Biden team has been fine with something that Trump wasn't fine with, which is this other pipeline going from Russia to Germany and to the rest of Europe. So basically, yeah, your pipeline's fine because it benefits Russia, but ours isn't because it benefits us.
3: Find the logic in that. It's one of those kind of things that whenever you hear stories like this, and you always hear people talk about it, it's follow the money, right? So when the first thing came up about Keystone, and nobody wanted Keystone to go in back when Obama was in, I was like, why? Because a lot of people thought that the Keystone pipeline was the first pipeline that was going in the ground In the United States, like they didn't realize we have pipelines all through the United States. They are everywhere. Mm -hmm. And if you see a pipeline map, all you have to do is do a quick Google search and they will pull up the images of all the pipelines, oil and gas pipelines that are running throughout the United States right now. Nobody said boo about those pipelines. No one did a comparison. When's the last time you heard a big story about a massive oil spill from a pipeline that's going on in the United States? Compared to when's the last time you heard a horrible story about an oil tanker or a freight train that wrecked and spilled oil and chemicals all over everything, all throughout the water, which is really hard to canpa- uh, contain, all throughout areas that you don't want to have oil or gas or chemicals spilled when a train goes over. So, why would you be against that? And then I found out, do you know if you don't run oil from Canada to the United States in a pipeline, you know how they run it? On a train. That's right. You know who owns a lot of trains? Oh,
4: here we go. I didn't I don't know this.
3: Ah, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, actually Berkshire Hathaway actually owns more train lines than anybody else in the United States. Would you like to guess who's a really big fan of Joe Biden?
4: Man, I have no idea where you're going with this.
3: Hey, follow the money, right? Is it so, Warren Buffett? It is. Look at you. See, ladies and gentlemen, they said it couldn't happen, but yet there it is. That's incredible. It, it's just—I did not know that. It's one of those kind of things where—is—is <laughs> um, is there a direct correlation? Eh, no, but that's a—that's a line. You don't have to be a conspiracy you know, no, ten oil at sense. where in person yeah. to put that together. Because you're like, what's wrong with this oil pipeline? Why is this oil pipeline so bad? But all these others seem to be okay. We don't really hear a lot about them. Well, maybe guess- it's because somebody else is going to benefit if you don't run that oil through a pipeline and you have to run it on a train or even on in uh, tanker trucks to get it there. But you get a whole lot more of it flowing when you do, you know, Twenty tanker cars than you do a tanker
4: truck. Well, what's amazing is even connecting this story with local, or we, I'm sorry, with uh, with recent events, the Colonial Pipeline. Right. So we don't want new pipelines, but one goes down and everybody freaks out. Yeah. Why would you not want more to prevent? Well, okay, there's a ransomware attack on a different one. No worries, we're building more. Like the logic itself does not make any sense for shutting that down. I mean, you just explained what's actually happening. There you go. But but the point is if you have somebody in either the White House or in Congress as a body who's pro-America, that stuff's not happening. It's because not. Because they're not making decisions based on personal gain, which you could say Trump did at times with his hotels and things like he's not above reproach. He's not. But and nobody's above reproach. But you have you have to look at some of the decisions he made and know that he was bucking the system for
3: the good of the citizens of the country. So how long has it been since we were energy independent and then in Trump's four years, not only were we energy independent, we're energy positive exporting to other countries. So we're really on the right path. We're we're able to take care of our own. We're able to do things the way we need to do it and be responsible for ourselves. All of a sudden, you were talking about the pipeline running from Russia to Germany. All of a sudden, we're seeing these other countries are going to be the people that we have to go to to get a hold of natural resources that we have access to, yes. but we refuse to access them because of some weird, crazy version of things that's going to happen. Well, We can can talk about this later if you want, but uh, I've been reading a book that's called The War on History. It's a very interesting book, and it's by Jarrett Stepman. S-T-E-P-M-A-N. And it really talks about the fact, the conspiracy to rewrite America's history. We focus on things that even though our forefathers were amazing people, they're all flawed, like we all are. And they want us to judge these people based on their flaws, not based on all the things that they have. There's a lot of stuff that, that we could unpack there. Obviously, we don't have time to do that right now. Um, but there's just, it's a time for people to stand up and quit being passive about your beliefs and get involved in the process. Because if you don't, you can see what's coming down the pike for it's you.
4: It's happening. It's happening. You, it can, you can see that happening because right now, uh, and we got to wrap here. We got one more segment, so stick around with the weekend before. But you can see that so many of these errors that we're making as a nation right now right. are avoidable. Yeah. and even self-inflicted.
3: Uh, they refer to them as unforced errors, unforced right? error. And well, here we go. I
4: think they are forced. That's the thing. Some of them you're like, I think they're deliberately trying to screw this up. Right. Like the border, for instance. We can talk about that when we come back. It's the weekend report, 97.1 FM Talk.
0: Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast.
3: I love that smooth jazz feel. It's the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. My name is Mike Elam. Ryan Wiggins is alongside, along with Lori Beakley, who is handling all the controls today. This has been a lot of fun. Good. I have had a blast Good, Yeah, it's been a while since you've done
4: as much radio as this, I guess. Yeah, about 18 years or so. You've done a couple of, uh, let's see, I remember having you on the DGS when I was a producer. Yep. And you've been
3: back once or twice to do think tank, right? I've I've been on with Mr. Glover, I've been on with Mr. Reardon and okay. uh, it it has been very much fun to be in that round table setting. Normally I'm I'm representing the Republican standpoint, and I've got a couple of Democrats who are on the other side generally interrupting me and telling me everything that I'm saying is completely idiotic and makes no (laughs) sense at all. Um, So it's kind of like being at home. But this has has been a nice back and forth of just talking about issues that I think conservative listeners are uh, concerned about. I've had the opportunity today to talk a little bit about St. Charles County, what's going on there. I appreciate Scott being on with us. Um, Representative John Wieman. From the Missouri House, being on with us, doing more of a, a session recap. Uh, we were hoping to catch up with um, Mark Carter from St. Louis County Council. Uh, had some problems connecting on that, so Mark. Hopefully, we can catch up with you down the road. But in the meantime, I think we've solved most of the problems of the world. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've we've agreed that we're done with COVID. We're done with COVID. The White House is done with COVID. St. Louis County Task Force is going to be done with COVID after Monday. Everybody
4: in the world is done with COVID, as judged by recent uh, festivals
3: in my hometown. Oh, man. So I emceed a trivia night the other night in Cottleville, and it packed. was it was packed. But you have to understand, this is one of the first time. Have you been to Trivia Night? Have you ever done a Trivia Night before? I'm not not since 2019. Dude, Trivia Nights. I love Trivia yeah. Nights. It might be because there's generally free beer involved, but I, I don't know. Oh, you're going to good ones. Oh. At the ones I go to, everybody's bringing their own pizza, Cheetos, and usually drinks. Oh, yeah. You bring your own food. But generally speaking, I think the only reason half the people I know that go to Trivia Nights is because there's beer involved. Uh, but it was at the Knights of Columbus in Cottleville. Uh Great, great place to have a trivia night. They do a fantastic job of supporting you, and um, everybody there had a fantastic time. So our first category that we're getting ready to do is a visual category. So look to the screens for all this stuff. Guess what happens? Screens go out. Of course. That was fun. I would, <laughs> hey, you remember that time when everything went to hell in a handbasket? At least nobody was excited about getting out for the first time in a year and a half. Everybody was just rolling with it, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, generally speaking, trivia nights I've been involved with uh, are for charitable causes. Uh, most people are not there trying to be super competitive. You always have competitive tables, by mm-hmm. the way. Oh, yeah. But it's funny, pre-cell phones, when I used to MC trivia nights and post it, you know, Now, anytime somebody gets a cell phone out, everybody and their brother's like, hey, 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 he's got a cell phone. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, you all do. Put it back in your pocket. If you get it, I know we all may have kids at home. Something's going to come up. If you get a phone call from the house, you have to take it. Leave the room. Don't come back in until the round's over because, you know, as soon as you walk in, everybody's going to yell, you're a cheater. So... Unless you want to be yelled at, you're a cheater by people who have gone through at least four kegs of beer. I suggest you stay out there because they are going to let you know. <laughs> I love my people, man. It's so, just so much fun.
4: Do we do we have time? I think we'd have time here. Book recommendations?
3: Ah, so we were talking about before this this book that I picked up. Um, and it is called The War on History. And I really like this book. It's been a good seven and a half hour uh, listen. So my new job that I got is based. My my parent company is in Peoria, so I've been wearing out the highway between St. Louis and Peoria. So oh, that's I'm a drive. getting to know quite a bit about the land of Lincoln. And um, what's funny is my father went to high school and grew up in Peoria. So okay just talking about those full circle things that we talked about before. So here we're coming back to that. So I've been listening to this book and talking about the war on history, the conspiracy to rewrite America's past. And it brings up uh, a number of our forefathers, starting with actually Columbus and looking at how we've heard about Columbus over the past 10 or 15 years. And he's been painted as a horrible person. And I'm not telling you that uh, Columbus is Jesus Christ and we should actually be worshiping him. Not at all. He had plenty of, fall, of falls, flaws, nah. but he actually didn't do a lot of the stuff that he's credited with doing. He didn't kill indigenous people. He actually killed two of his own men because they were uh, killing some indigenous people. Oh, he actually killed his own people. Um, the the biggest thing that happened with the indigenous people was they brought disease with them because it was uh, things that they brought from the old world that the new world didn't have. Mm-hmm. So anytime that you introduce that, speaking of COVID and, you know, variant Z, mm-hmm. then that's, that's kind of how that's going to happen as you move through. So you can blame them for that, but they're blaming uh, Thomas Jefferson and, um, in, in making really bad claims about him. They want to pull down his statue, George Washington's statue, Abraham Lincoln's oh, yeah. statue. Yeah, They're, One of the interesting things that I, I found in this book that I really hadn't thought about, and the Confederate statues were the big statues that everybody was pulling down a couple of years ago. That's where they started, right? But they never intended to end with the Confederate statues. That's just a way to get you to agree. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those kind of things of... How far can I push you before you push back? And one of the statues they wanted to pull down was Robert E. Lee. Now, Robert E. Lee did not want to fight for the South. He wanted everybody to get along. But we keep looking at everything through 21st century goggles, as opposed to understanding how things were back then. And back then, being a Virginian was a bigger deal than being an American. They were a Virginian first before they were anything else. There's no way in his conscience and in his mind at that time he could have possibly thought about taking up arms against Virginia. He, he just couldn't do it. So we want to go back and be revisionist on our history. But Robert E. Lee is a big reason why our country healed at the end of the Civil War. Robert E. Lee went out of his way to make sure that people who he led Turned around and said, Embrace the Union. Be a part of it. The war is over. Heal. Move forward. If it wasn't for him, we would not have come together the way that we did come together. I'm not saying it was easy the way that we did come together, but it was one of those kind of things where we needed men to step up and go above and beyond. We've had history leaders in our country who have stepped up, but we keep wanting to judge them only by their flaws. I will tell you, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I've done some stupid stuff, and I'm not alone in that. But do you want to be judged by your worst moments, or do you want to be judged by your life as a whole? I would prefer you judge me by the good and the bad. Don't just focus on the bad things I've done. I have done some good things. Give me credit for the good things. You can rake me over the coals for the bad ones. I earned it. They're mine. I I own my sins, right? Right but you can't do that revisionist history because if you start stripping away your history, you forget how you got to where you are. And therein lies the bigger problem of where we're going to get into future problems. If you don't know where you came from and you don't understand the shoulders that you're standing on, then you're not going to get there. We owe so much to those people who fought in World War II. They took up a cause and and basically saved the world. But if it hadn't been for those people in the Revolutionary War who stepped up then and got us to be the country that we were, we never would have been around to save the world in World War II. And you would have had uh, a much different world than we have today. So it's, it's just interesting when you look at, at those type things of people today want to revise our history. And I think we need I know we talk about patriots. Be a patriot. That means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I think we've got to come back to a point where you need to be proud of the country that you live in. I told you earlier, I'm a homer with St. Charles County, right? I love to brag on St. Charles County. I'm very proud of St. Charles County and how how we do a lot of different things. But I think we need to feel that pride in our country. You need to understand, you know, that problem at the border that's going on? We've got people trying to stream into this country. If we were such a horrible country, it would go the other way. There are a lot of countries that have borders that keep people in mm-hmm. because their people want to leave. You live in a country where everyone in the world risk everything they have to come here and be a part of our country. If you don't feel some pride that everyone in the world wants to have what you have, even if you just have a little, it's more than what they have where they are because you have freedom. Those, it's, those other people don't. It's interesting.
4: I mean, I love hearing stories about history. I think everybody does. I mean, they're just stories, right? Right. I mean, everybody likes listening to stories, but they put things into context so much. I don't know if you ever read any of Brian Kilmeade's books, but he comes out with about a book a year.
3: He does. About a different subject from history. <laughs> that guy must work all the time. He's I, like a Ryan Wiggins schedule. I, <laughs> I, uh,
4: I I, think we're actually trying to get him to come back to town and, and do the book tour here, uh, which is always fun. And, you know, like you said before, it'll be packed because everybody's looking to do stuff. So we'll see if that happens. But... Um, just, just hearing those stories because we all try to spin history right. until you read what was actually happening. Right. Because the context is so different. And even those of us, like we're talking right now, you can't judge them through modern lenses. You can't. You can't do it, but we all do it. Because we don't have the context for w- what they were dealing with when they were dealing with it. Exactly. And especially since, I don't know about you, but it, it feels in some ways like modern America, we talk about history like it started in 1950 with Elvis. Right. <laughs> because that's basically like when we started, or, or movies, you know, like things we can see, we can experience more now than things before we had them on television or in movies or recorded. Right. And so it's it's as if all of history started when TV started or whatever. and we And we view things like, but Because that's basically our lifespan. Right. You know? That's the people who are alive. That's how long they've been alive. And so we can sort of make sense of that. But when you talk about the founders, both sides do it. I do it. The left really does it. They want to look at these people as if they were like crazy murderers. Oh, yeah. That just were a hell-bent hell bent on evil for everyone. But we do it too, and we, we look at them, and we say these guys were geniuses, and they were – well, they were – but they were also people, and they had flaws, and they were dealing with issues, and they were responding to those issues in real time, just like we do now. And like you said, do you want to be judged on the worst things you did? Well, for a long time, we would only judge them on the best things that they did, too. Right. And that's also not fair. Yeah. Um, because we're, you know, it, when we are all dead, and everybody listening to this is dead, we won't be judged on just the best. We won't be judged, hopefully, on just the worst at best will be judged at all, if, if you're remembered. But we, everybody wants to make their mark. But ultimately, it'll be in a different time. It will be judged on uh, on their time, even though we're living in our time.
3: If you look at all the people throughout history, and uh, the Bible is a great book because it's got amazing stories Absolutely. Whether Whether or not you want to believe in it or not, it, it really doesn't matter from the standpoint of you can learn a lot just from the stories that are there, right? So if you go back and you look at that, The greatest men of the Bible were generally the ones that were also the most flawed. They had horrible flaws. And you and, know it's real because of that. It does. Yeah. We're all real people. We're all going to make mistakes. But I know one of the mistakes that I did not make was when Steve Moore called me and said, Hey, hey how'd you like to do this show called The Weekend Report what a with pro. Ryan Wiggins and Lori Beaker? You I segged said
4: right out of
3: deep Bible discussion.
4: <laughs> We're just getting started. And now the show's over. So we got to wrap. Thanks for tuning in to The Weekend Report. Mike Elam, Ryan Wiggins with you. Hopefully, maybe we'll see you next week.